Hello and welcome back to SimWhip. Stuff you missed while you were pissed. <laughs> you can't. That's so bad. All right. <clears throat> I'm Mike. And I'm James. And today's episode is going to be out of this world because it's about space. You get it? Yeah. You're the epitome of humor. Oh, you're humoring me. I'm a clever boy. Let's just cut to music. Space. Space. A final frontier. Carl Sagan once said, the Earth is a very small stage in a vast cosmic arena. Carl Sagan also said, I'm hungry and I need to use the bathroom. But we don't remember Carl Sagan because he said relatable and normal things. We remember him because Neil deGrasse Tyson remade his show. For a little over 40 years, space was reserved for academic research and conspiracy theories on the moon landing. In 1967, 105 countries came together to sign the Outer Space Treaty. That's not the full name, but that's what everyone calls it. Right. The Outer Space Treaty prohibits anyone from establishing national sovereignty in space. This means no one can claim private ownership of any property outside of Earth's orbit. But a new space race has begun. Over the last few years, companies like SpaceX, Moon Express, and Bigelow Aerospace have been preparing for business ventures in space. And legally, this gets a little complicated. The Outer Space Treaty was intentionally vague and loosely worded. The diplomats drafting this document knew that space exploration was at its infancy and there was a lot more room to grow. No one knew what would happen over the next few decades. Back then, no one was really thinking that the moon contained water or other useful minerals, but theories sprang up within a few decades, and soon, entrepreneurs were looking to harvest those resources. Which meant that legislation was necessary to lay out the rules for commercial ventures in space. But the work of realizing our full potential is only just beginning. We are still paying Russia $70 million every time we send one of our astronauts to the space station. Our commercial pioneers can and want to fulfill this role, but they need our help. The Space Act will help. This bill will unite law with innovation, allowing the next generation of pioneers to experiment, learn, and succeed without being constrained by premature regulatory action. It ensures that anyone or anything impacted by flights or flight experiments are protected. And it keeps us competitive by providing much-needed flexibility in permitting and licensing. That was Representative Kevin McCarthy speaking to the House in November 2015. The House of Representatives was debating a bill that would soon become law, the Space Act of 2015. That stands for Spurring Private Aerospace Competitiveness and Entrepreneurship. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, Congress brings us common folk some easy-to-understand acronyms. This was a pretty controversial bill. It allows for commercial space exploration and the exploitation of non-biological resources in space, but it specifically states that nothing in the act indicates claims of sovereignty. But the controversy is in how the Space Act affects the interpretation of certain parts of the Outer Space Treaty. Let's look at Article 6 of the Outer Space Treaty, which reads... States parties to the treaty shall bear international responsibility for national activities in outer space, including the moon and other celestial bodies, 
whether such activities are carried on by governmental agencies or by non-governmental entities, and for assuring the national activities are carried out in conformity with the provisions set forth in the present treaty. The activities of non-governmental entities in outer space, including the moon and other celestial bodies, shall require authorization and continuing supervision by the appropriate state party to the treaty. That first sentence is vague, and it's arguably the legal source of this controversy. Initially, it sounds like the first sentence severely restricts private exploration and exploitation of space. A nation is internationally responsible for national activities carried out by its own government agencies or by any non-government entities, which would include businesses. The phrase national activities has been interpreted in a few ways, but between the rest of the treaty and the Moon Agreement, which followed a decade later, it's likely that the United States government interprets national activities to mean activities undertaken under the jurisdiction of the supervising state. This basically means that a business is performing a national activity only if it's being supervised by its state. This seems reasonable, since the second sentence mandates that non-governmental activities be authorized and continually supervised by the appropriate nation. And we could assume that government agencies would be conducting national activities regardless. Anyways, the point is, the exact meaning of this treaty is still hotly debated, and because it's already so vague, some governments have just adopted an interpretation and stuck to it. And if the U.S. has adopted the interpretation that we mentioned, then it means the U.S. government is still internationally responsible for business activities permitted by the Space Act so long as those activities are authorized and continually supervised. But that's exactly the problem our government faces right now. They can't keep up with the private sector. Continually supervising several space missions requires a lot of manpower, not to mention the additional cost to the public and or private sector for the equipment necessary for supervision. Which brings us to today's bill, H.R. 2809, American Space Free Commerce Act, a bill that allows for non-governmental space activities. This means that businesses would no longer be performing national activities, so their activities won't require continual supervision by the U.S. government, and this bill still wouldn't violate the sovereignty rules of the Outer Space Treaty. In other words, businesses are pretty much on their own. A U.S. business could fly to the moon, explore the service, harvest water, and other resources, but the U.S. could not claim ownership of any part of the moon, The business itself could still technically own or use the harvested resources, but that gets tricky. If you think it seems weird that there's even a controversy, then congratulations on growing up in a developed nation. In the U.S., for example, we've been lucky enough to have private property rights pretty much since the founding of our country. You can earn money to buy something, and it's your property. If someone tries to take it from you, then the government can step in, usually in the form of local police, to resolve the matter. But what about when the government doesn't step in at all? Or worse, what about when a government is the one taking your property? Let's say Canada finally grew tired of the United States, shed its peaceful and docile stereotype, and moved south to invade us. After this incredibly effective surprise attack that literally no one would have seen coming, the Canadian army manages to take over the state of Maine and hold it for years. The United States gives up on getting it back, and during that time, the Canadian government, now realizing their true ferocity and might, seize the homes of the residents of Maine and redistribute the property for public use. Now, our lovely neighbors to the north probably wouldn't do this. We hope. But this little thought experiment is supposed to demonstrate a philosophical conundrum 
with ownership and private property. What's yours is only yours if no one else is around to take it, or if the guy with the biggest guns lets you keep it. Which means, if the U.S. isn't truly claiming sovereignty, then these commercial explorations and exploitations have no national support or legal mediation. Businesses or individuals could steal from one another, and they'll need to resolve the dispute themselves. And if this bill passes, the U.S. government could also argue that it no longer has international responsibility for the activities carried out by U.S. businesses. That's a stretch, but it's possible. It's no wonder that we hear private space exploration compared to the Wild West. This is shaping up to be a free-for-all in space! Representative Fuqua's tax-funded and cosmic-filled oil portrait would be proud. Now let's move on to the details of the bill. H.R. 2809, the American Space Free Commerce Act, was introduced on June 7th of 2017 by Representative Lamar Smith, the Republican congressman of Texas's 21st Congressional District. The bill had 15 co-sponsors, 11 Republicans, and 4 Democrats, so we see a little bipartisan support here. This bill has passed the House on a voice vote on the 25th of April of 2018, and it's currently in the Senate. The bill's purpose is as follows. To amend Title 51, United States Code, to provide for the authorization and supervision of non-governmental space activities and for other purposes. Clink, damn it. <laughs> and for other purposes. And that is our... Traditional drink clink for and for other purposes. Back to the script. All right. This bill's aim is to align the U.S. and our current private space enterprises with the Outer Space Treaty we discussed at the top half of the episode by providing, and I quote, minimal necessary authorization and supervision of non-governmental space activities. Those were the words from the Republican Policy Committee website that we have listed in our sources below. This bill also gives some new authority to the Office of Space Commerce, which was first established in 2015 by the Space Act. This office will be issuing certifications for the operation of space objects like rockets, satellites, shuttles, and the like. Entities seeking this certification just have to give the government some basic info and prove some things, such as, you know, their U.S.-based organization or entity, what kinds of objects they'll be sending up into space, and how where they're going to be doing this, uh, what they're going to be doing to minimize the debris from these operations, and, you know, make sure they're not sending up nuclear weapons or any other weapons of mass destruction. Pretty simple stuff. Take care of your debris. Also, no nuclear weapons. On top of the certifications for the operation of space objects, entities also have to get permits to use space-based remote sensing systems. This is just another fancy term for cameras, radars, and the like that operate in space. They can get a little bit more complicated than that, but that's basically the gist of it. With all legislation, there are some exceptions for this, like if the sensing equipments are integral in the design of the space object that was getting certified, or it is insignificant in regards to national security, etc. So me sending up a GoPro into space on a weather balloon would probably fall into the insignificant category. <laughs> Unless that GoPro was pointed at... 
The Pentagon. Dun, dun, dun. Or Area 51. In both the certification and permitting process, the Office of Space Commerce cannot deny an application for undue reasons such as protecting a company from competition. Say Moon Express gets their permit before SpaceX, whomever is approving the application can't deny SpaceX because he or she doesn't want to see competition in the field. That would go against the whole point of the bill. So, at the end of the day, this bill tries to keep the U.S. aligned with a pre-existing treaty about space exploration, while creating a competitive environment for companies to invest in the new space race. And you forgot to mention my favorite line from the bill, Section 2, subparagraph B, which has, I believe, five uh, statements on there, which are sort of the mission of the bill. But the first one says, United States citizens and entities are free to explore and use space, including the utilization of outer space and resources contained therein, without conditions or limitations. It goes on, uh, one statement after that to then uh, uh, mention the limitations from the Outer Space Treaty, but we'll get more into that into the dis- in the discussion. Hi, welcome to the part that you've probably already tuned off from, but this is this is where we talk about our opinions, however significant those might be. Uh, so this bill was very interesting. This was very interesting to read. I was glad that I found it um, because I, I sort of already knew about the uh, the wild wild west scenario uh, 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 metaphor illusion well this is a new frontier for us much like the west was in the yes 19th century for america you know this is our this is the 21st century new frontier i guess if i said it's like the wild wild west and it's a simile this is gonna bother me yeah it's not a metaphor yet no okay just don't say like or as yeah i mm. all right whatever (laughs) so anyways um yeah, it, because it's essentially lawless. And what I thought was interesting was was getting to see the progression of this, going from the Outer Space Treaty to some agreements that had been signed prior. And then just recently, right, I think it's been over the last five or six years, really, that we've started to see the private sector push on space uh, exploration, colonization, harvesting resources. Um, and, uh, and we see the Space Act in 2015, which when you read, when we were reading some of the, and, and these are going to be in our sources, so a, a couple academic documents or papers on interpretations of the Outer Space Treaty, especially Article 6, because I believe it's the, I believe it's the only article, maybe Article 7 does also, that, uh, that actually says non-governmental entities. And it also says non-governmental activities, I believe, in there or, or somewhere else. But anyways, um, seeing that wording there and then looking at the Space Act and seeing basically you can see right in the Space Act how they interpreted the Outer Space Treaty. And then going off of that, you can kind of see like, okay, so 
the way that they're interpreting it here, they're trying to get as far, like basically the U.S. government is saying we're going to do, the at least with this bill, we're going to do the bare minimum necessary to meet or to arguably meet the Outer Space Treaty. Um, and, and our main priority is promoting uh, business and economic growth by using space. Yeah, no, it's definitely the big thing there. Um, in a way where we had bills which focused on in the 19th century for allowing oil barons and gold barons and all those titans of industry uh, towards the end of the 19th century into the 20th being favorable for them. In the same way, I see this bill being favorable for the harvesting of resources in space, exploration, colonization, resource mining. Any big sci-fi nerd is used to seeing, oh, hey, we have uh, just a space colony just hanging out, a little satellite where everyone's chilling. You know, things that make the ISS look like a Honda Civic in terms of size. You know, it's a future we're building up to, and that's kind of a cool thing there. Um, It is interesting how everything within that subsection B that you quoted from after that's like, yeah, we'll limit it for national security. Uh, We'll do everything as practicable to adhere to the treaty. So, you know, stating that they're going to do the absolute minimum to adhere to this treaty. Granted, who is going to stop us from not doing any of that, right? I mean, I'm sure if a few countries band together, they might... I mean, I'm not saying they would win, but it would be enough for, I would hope, any U.S. leader to be like, hey, maybe we should reconsider what we're doing here. Because uh, we could probably win, but be a lot of casualties. Space war, that'll be a first. And I can't get reelected when there's lots of casualties. And <laughs> debatable. Uh- <laughs> but but yeah, so like um, the second statement, right, for subparagraph B, section two, this freedom, and remember we were talking about the freedom of U.S. citizens and entities free to explore new space. This freedom is only to be limited when necessary to assure United States national security interests. By the way, that's first are met and to authorize and supervise non-governmental space activities to assure such activities are carried out in conformity with the international obligations of the United States under the Outer Space Treaty, which, as we will remind you, is vague. Very vague. It's pretty vague. I think the main the main goal in the Outer Space Treaty, or sorry, in the Outer Space Treaty, the part where it gets um, most specific for, for, for this, as it pertains to this, as far as I know, um, there might be parts where it gets more specific, arguably. But anyways, uh, talking about space exploration and exploitation for the benefit of mankind, essentially, is what it is. So, like, for scientific and academic purposes, absolutely. Um, and then if done f- for other purposes or for economic gain, it should be for, for the gain of all of mankind, like for the benefit of all of mankind. So if SpaceX is going to come up with a way for rockets... Uh, to get to Mars and land themselves so it's not just a rocket that basically destroys itself, right? Then that needs to be for the benefit of mankind somehow. So maybe that means... It's accessible to people of all nations, not just, yo, I'm an American. I'm going to go take a weekend trip to Mars. You guys in Canada, suck it in Manitoba. Like... Right, right. Or like at the at the very least, it's something where, um, you know, it, it could be I mean, it, again, this is vague, but I would say it's the one of the most specific um, uh, uh, 
we'll say not it's not a clause it's just like it's kind of like a goal or an intention or a purpose of, of with the treaty but like let's say we uh, spacex they've got a rocket it's going to mars it's going to colonize mars like we've started our trips over there and the u.s government goes to the company and says hey we want to do this program and uh we'll compensate you and everything but we want to be able to you know start this program on mars to help with colonization or the UN goes to SpaceX and says, hey, can you make sure that these certain conditions are met for all the people that get there? Um, can we make sure that Project XYZ gets started? Can you really put that up at the top of your priority list? We have the interest of all nations at heart. We understand you're a business and you got to charge for your for your trips to and from and everything like that. You know, We're not asking you to reduce the prices necessarily. Whoever can afford it can afford it. But can you prioritize these missions because these are scientific and research-based missions that, you know, India and China have these three, their their universities have each have three projects that they want to do research on that will benefit the people of their nation, and they require the environment on Mars to do it. And the U.S. has five projects they want to do, and Russia's got two of them, and can we make sure all those scientists end up on your ship, the country will pay for it, and then we can get research back to the countries. That would be, like, for the benefit okay. of, of mankind, and that's indiscriminate of the nations. So that that would be in the spirit very much of the treaty if that were to happen. And that's just an example. Like there could be numerous examples of stuff like that. Yeah, there. Uh, this actually reminds me of something I found a long time ago back when I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. And... Um, <laughs> <laughs> reminds me of a long time ago. I was a wee grasshopper trying but, to figure out how to get out of my existential crisis. As all people do in their 20s. Um, it was a harsh first six years of my life, I'm telling you what. But I didn't know if I wanted to be a cowboy or an astronaut. But there was a project called Mars One. It was a uh, from a Dutch organization. This was Wait, just for real? You didn't know if you wanted to be a cowboy or an astronaut? <laughs> <laughs> no, that that wasn't my actual ex existential crisis. Uh, uh, maybe when I was five, but... <laughs> I, just pictured, <laughs> I just pictured like this six-year-old you that's just like... What will the universe tell me? <laughs> am I gonna be, am I gonna be John Wayne or am I gonna be John Glenn? Please tell me. Please tell me. Um, there was a project called Mars One, which was supposed to partner with a bunch of different groups, including SpaceX. That was gonna be the first manned missions to Mars uh, from a private organization. Um, looking through now. Uh, looks like everything's kind of fallen through because they don't really have any contracts with any other organizations at this point in time including spacex so they have no rockets to get there but it was a cool idea where you know they were going to do a contest where everyone you know puts in applications if you fit a certain psychological and physical profile and skill set you will be trained with another wave of candidates to then ship out to mars and probably die there um which seemed like an interesting thing to do at the time. But, you know, that's something where I see it where it's separate yeah, from I nations. I think that's still a thing. Mars One still technically exists, but right now they don't have any contracts with anyone else. Uh, mm, okay. Yeah, so they're pretty much dead in the water. Yeah, it definitely looks like Moon Express and SpaceX are, like, at the top of things here. Are you going ASMR right now? Yeah, sorry, I was I was chewing a little bit in the microphone there. I'm I'm sure that was uncomfortable for some people. I'm not gonna do that. I'm just 
very hungry. We've been researching all day. Well, some people may be uncomfortable. Others may be not. Um, ooh, let's see the last news release from Mars One. Uh, Michael Maltby appointed as interim chief financial officer back in uh, 2018 of this year. Yeah, that'll about do it. That's a good. I can tell you from the days that I trade stocks, that's pretty good indicator. That <laughs> it's pretty good indicator that things aren't going too well. Then, um, then Honda's national campaign features Mars One candidate uh, back in October. Yeah, that was uh, that was such a cool mission or cool idea. All right, but I digress. Honestly, this bill is setting the groundwork for you know our expanse into space. There isn't really much that I could say in terms of it really being negative, you know, other than us as a country kind of flouting the ideas of the Outer Space Treaty when we proposed the Star Wars program back in the 80s, because part of that treaty is not doing weapons testing or having weapons of mass destruction in space. Yeah, we did come pretty close that time around. It's yeah. like, no, this is to <laughs> it's this is to kill your nuclear weapons. We don't have any nuclear weapons. We're abiding by the space treaty. Hmm. Mm. I still want lasers in mm. space, though. Of course you are. Of co- we trust you. Spends billions of dollars on lasers. Lasers. Lasers on their friggin' um, <laughs> Lasers. All right. But yeah. Um, honestly, at the end of the day, this is just a different bill. Fun to see. I really like it. Um... It is kind of scary, though, that one line of, hey, without limitation, go have fun in space. Lasers. <laughs> lasers. That's the fifth time we said lasers this episode. Yeah. All right. And four of them were from were from me. So I don't. You're very laser happy. I don't I don't know. I don't know why the what the point of keeping track of all that was. All right. Anyway, so I think we're pretty much good. This is a fairly short discussion. Um, we just this bill's very interesting. Um, I'm, I am personal thoughts, feelings. I am torn because, um, this is, this is very, this is very much a scenario of, uh, I don't know what the answer is and I don't know who does. It is going, it is lawless out there. It is going to be. It is going to be until somebody essentially takes control by force because historically speaking, that's really the only way we know that any of these things happen. Um, the other thing that could happen is perhaps, um, I don't know, perhaps that nations can be responsible for their businesses and maybe handle um, allegations and, and, and legal proceedings so re- representing those businesses but then we still have the problem of property i don't want to get into it because honestly it's it, it, it I, I do i it's I a very much hole. doubt we're going to be able to solve this problem not only in this freaking podcast but i don't think anybody's going to solve this problem for like at least a few years and that's if people in congress give enough of a crap about it to really sit down and try to think this out because this is not I can't stress this enough, even though it's going to fall on deaf ears and it probably doesn't matter. It's not about getting reelection. If we try to go the Republican route of, or the typical Republican route, not not every Republican like, would be like this, but the typical Republican route of um, pro-business, less government interaction, less government restriction and everything, we could um, 
uh, uh, we could have great economic growth and it could be awesome for the United States economically and for our standard of living. Um, and then we could also have um, some kind of catastrophe of, I don't know. Fracking on the moon? Yeah. Because that kind of affects like the tides, which affects like everything everything <laughs> yeah uh and it's a lot of other stuff too but and even coming from like a traditional democratic standpoint too like i don't even see how you would really regulate this without blatantly breaking the treaty unless you wouldn't you would you wouldn't basically if i was a democrat i would say no to all of this yeah i would like say that, no don't do this it you they can't use it for business purposes they can only do it for reasons sanctioned by the by the nation by the state of, by the united states but if that's the case, then essentially what you have is... You could the, go out in space, but you can't bring anything back. It's catch and release. Or it you can bring things back, um, but they are not to be sold, or they are not to be sold for private, or sorry... Um, for economic gain. It's only for something right. that would fall within the line of the treaty, usually for the good of mankind, not to benefit any one nation, because that would probably fall within some sovereignty rules. Right. And it could be argued that Maybe that's one of the big reasons why we haven't had much advances in space exploration uh, until just recently. Um, I mean, I don't know. It, I mean, also technology had to kind of catch up a little bit, but uh, yeah, this is just this is a very difficult problem, and it's one that I think if my government truly did what I believe it's supposed to do, it would be spending exorbitant amounts of exuberant exorbitant incredible we'll just say incredible amounts of time trying to figure out the best solution to this problem before it's too late and we have a manifest destiny wild wild west that we that we had here in the u.s expanding in in the in in north america but we have it in space so we have a SpaceX asteroid here. We have a Virgin Galactic asteroid here. Moon Express here. Yo, uh, Elon Musk, if you're going to make a uh, SpaceX plasma rifle, hit your boy up. And, and with, a, with, a, with a free market, a free market is very efficient. Arguably the most efficient way that we know how to allocate resources. That does not mean it's ethical. It does not solve that problem. Economics doesn't care about ethics. It cares about the allocation of resources. It cares about scarcity and it cares about trade. That's it. And for that, this is really good. But again, for ethics, eco not economics doesn't care if the moon blows up. I mean, I'm not saying that that's very, very unlikely, to be honest. But uh, it, it's not impossible and it's not improbable and it's not. And also, if we happen to find out 15 years later that some company, like let's say it's 2040 and we find out that some company in 2020 that made it to the moon is probably the sole reason why the moon's orbit was was like put off or tilted or something, or it affected the tides, and we find that out 20 years later, but we can't hold them responsible because th there wasn't really any law or anything saying that they could or could not do that. And at that point, right? All the executives, I'm just going to chill out in space so that way the angry mobs of people that that hate me for causing the deaths of possibly millions of a tsunami can't get to me, right? That's yeah, going to be a thing. 
a tsunami thing seems a bit extreme, but I mean, well, that's the extreme, right? If they shifted the moon and that affected tides, you could get tsunamis. This is something I would hope. I would hope my government would be. Man, I am so incredibly pessimistic about this. <laughs> if I had to predict, I would say that um, shit will hit the fan. And then our government will be like, well, I told you we could have done with, with a bad. But those guys, they said we should have done. And then look what happened now. And then so, we're like, yeah, look, that guy said the. And look what happened now. And then everyone from the other party is like, well, you know what? You guys eat puppies. So I'm not, I don't, I'm going to do with the other guy. I'm going to do the opposite of what you said. I'm going to eat cats. I'm going to eat cats. <laughs> So one party's upset that some guy said a moment now five years ago, and we could have prevented it, even though we couldn't have. And the other party's eating cats. That's what's gonna happen in ten years. So it's gonna be fun to see. Good night, America. <laughs> and good luck. No, no, no. Yes, keep keep talking. I'm not no, just um, the episode. No, um, it's gonna be interesting to see what causes Florida to go underwater first. Is it going to be global warming and the rising of sea levels that way? Or is it going to be someone fucking with the moon? It's going to be a fun race. There's someone fucking with the moon. <laughs> uh, I wonder if the moon's uh, mass, if we take water off of it, how much mass will we reduce from the moon? Ooh. And will that mass affect its uh, its orbital pull? Well, of course, it, the mass would affect the orbital uh, or the, the gravitational pull on the Earth. But I just don't know what the relative mass of water on the planet that we could harvest versus, uh, or, or the the moon that we could harvest versus the actual mass of it. Don't look it up. It's fine. We're not going to spend any more time on this. Um, we care. This so bill. Contact your 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 Congress senators. Your your, your senators because it's already passed the House. It it did that. Um, it was done under a voice vote because they 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 suspended the bylaws because you can do that. And Robert's rules of procedure, if Robert's rules of parliamentary procedure, you can just suspend the bylaws. In fairness, it requires, I think, like three fifths or something, or like four fifths of a vote, or two thirds. Uh, I can't to remember. Suspend exactly. the rules. I want to say it's going to be at least two thirds. Anyways, contact your senator. Let them know how you feel about this one way or the other. Um, personally, I just think that this stuff needs more work before we, I don't know, before before we really just start letting everybody go to town. But I'm also in favor of, I, I know for a fact that the free market is what's going to really, really boost space exploration and get us into a place where we could have potentially free energy because uh, because maybe we harvest helium-3 on the moon or, you know, we have unlimited water because we basically have an entire eighth continent over there and we can get all the water from it or something. The only other thing that would do that would be a massive war. Yeah, so uh, take your pick. It's just it's a lot. It's a lot. I and I don't I don't think I, I feel like whoever's drafting up this bill does not see it that way. I feel like they're just looking at this as a. Anyways, contact your senators, tell them how you feel about it one way or the other. Read the bill. Read the sources we have in the list. Um, you can find us. You do you do the whole. You can yeah. You can find. Yeah, you could find us online at www.simwip.com. S Y M W Y P. We're on Twitter at the same handle, at SimWhip. You could find us where most podcasts can be found. iTunes, not Spotify, Google Play, you know, the, the whole shebang. SoundCloud, once again, 
you know, leave us a like review. Please subscribe if you want to listen to more of our content. We're trying to get better with every episode for you guys and for ourselves. And once again, good night and good luck. Wait, what are we? Good luck on what?